Welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey friends, welcome to the long weekend. Maybe you're like me and you're wondering just where June disappeared to. For our family, there was so much anticipation and preparation for the wedding that at times June 11th seemed like such a long way off, like it might never arrive. And then all of a sudden it's here and gone and we're into July. It's it's funny how time works. It's a complete constant, and yet it seems to creep along when we're waiting for something to happen and then races past when we feel like we can't even keep up. Which is one reason why it can be helpful to settle into a rhythm of life that slows the pace when it seems like everything's going so fast and what can carry us along when it seems like time stands still. Last week, we began our sermon series, Grace Lives for the Summer. And we talked about creating a rhythm of life that helps us take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. How this Christian faith is about choosing to walk in the footsteps of Jesus each and every morning that we rise and face the day. That it's not just a one-time decision or it's not something that we kind of visit here and there throughout the week, but it's every day we wake up and see how we might engage with God and his kingdom work throughout the day. Because following Jesus is a a whole life pursuit. It isn't just about going to church on Sunday or having a 10-minute quiet time before we head into the real world. It's about living into a kingdom, listening for the Spirit of God as we see the world through God's eyes, as his beloved creation that he's in the process of redeeming. So as a disciple of Jesus, we want to do what he's asked us to do, to go and make disciples, to love as he loved, to walk as he walked. And when he was here on this earth nearly 2,000 years ago, the one who came from heaven to earth, not only to show us what heaven was like, but to show us how we could live in order to have heaven break in to this world on a regular basis. So the acrostic that helps me keep focused on this mission is lives. And that's what we're walking through over the next number of weeks. Listen to God, invest in others, be versed in truth, eat with others, and see ourselves as sent. Each of these pursuits helps me to live into the kingdom and and turns my eyes off the worries of this world and focus a little more on the light of eternity. So let's get into it. Let's get into that first letter, the letter L, listen to God. This is the starting point. It all begins and it all ends with God. It's his will. It's his way, it's his power, it's his love, it's his mercies that are new every morning. It always begins with him. He's the creator and sustainer, the giver of life. He's the one who holds us close when we face death and the one who calms our fears when we watch others struggle for their final breath. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So much of our culture is focused on ourselves. It's focused on me, my needs, my wants, my happiness, my comfort. And the Christian life places those things a little farther down the list of our priorities. At the top of the list, though, is found in the words of Jesus from his Sermon on the Mount. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
And all the other things will be given to us as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The rest of his sermon lays out what it looks like. Humility and caring for others. Dealing with our anger and lust. Trusting in God's goodness. If you want a crash course in the ways of Jesus, Matthew 5-7 to is probably one of the best places to start. The Sermon on the Mount really does lay out a lot of what Jesus' mission and teaching was here on earth. In that sermon, Jesus mentions prayer. In Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13, he says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the street corners, in order to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. (laughs) And if you went to school in the same era that I did or came from a more liturgical background, you're likely thinking, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is is how we should pray. Our Father who art in heaven. It, It begins with this beautiful recognition that God is our Father. Just as Jesus prayed to his Father, We pray to God as our Father. He is the one that provides for us, the one who watches over, the one who cares for us. Last week we talked about how Jesus often went out to solitary places to pray, that he talked to God, that he connected with his Father. But he also listened to what the Father was leading him to do. That the life he lived out here on earth was at the prompting of God the Father. That he was only doing what he saw the Father requesting of him or asking him to do. John, in his gospel, records Jesus explaining this dynamic. He's explaining to the Pharisees exactly why he had healed on the Sabbath. He was was claiming he was only doing what the Father had asked him to do. His Father is always working, he said, and so the Son needs to be working as well, carrying out his Father's wishes. In John 5, 19 and 20 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because what the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. Jesus is saying he's following in his Father's wishes or his father's footsteps. His father says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to treat our creation. This is how I want you to speak into these lives. This is how I want you to spill yourself for them. And so Jesus says that that's what he's about doing. That's his mission. That's why he's there. And we've been called to follow in Jesus' footsteps, to to pray the same way, to see God as our father, and also to live in a way that honors God as father. I think one of the first parts of being a disciple means that we listen to and obey the words of our rabbi. See, prayer isn't just talking to God. It's also about listening 
And that's the trickier part of prayer. Like it's easy for us to come with our list of requests and needs, but, but to sit and listen, to be open to the possibility that a living God would still speak to his creation is a step that many don't actually take. It's one of those things about prayer that I find the most mysterious. It's, it's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. But, but let me try. How, how do you hear the voice of God? How do you listen to God? In, in the midst of the, the world that we find ourselves in with our Spotify playlists and our Instagram reels and Facebook updates and Snapchat streaks, like how do we hear the voice of God in this modern world? Is it even possible? Let's, let's be real about that for a moment. Can we really hear from God? Do you actually hear from God? Because I've never heard an audible voice speaking from heaven. I've never heard an actual whisper from any good angel on my shoulder telling me which path to take. And yet that picture of like somebody whispering over my shoulder, or somebody nudging or, or, or speaking into my heart, into my mind, somehow resonates. There's this inner dialogue that happens, whether we call it our conscience or whether we recognize that that's maybe the spirit of God speaking. We know that there's this, there's this inner voice that seems to speak life. And there's this other voice that seems to speak chaos. And so I've come to trust that that voice that's speaking life is God speaking to my innermost being, like God's spirit connecting with my spirit, because God is spirit. So the way that he would communicate with us would be through our spirit. So when I talk about hearing the voice of God, I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm not talking about hearing voices in my head. I'm talking about tuning into that spiritual channel that's constantly going on in the back of our minds, where we where we have those thoughts about which path should I go down? Which way should I go? And there's, there's this nudging that tends to send us down a way that brings goodness and peace and righteousness. And then there's that nudging that sends us into selfishness and chaos and despair. There's a passage in the prophet Isaiah that, that gets to this metaphorically in a really beautiful way. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Almost as if God was standing right behind you, coaching you along and and giving you affirmation that yes, you are going the right way. Keep, Keep pressing down this path. This is a good way to go. I really like the way the voice translations renders Isaiah 30, 21. It says, your ears will hear sweet words behind you. Go this way. There is your path. This is how you should go whenever you decide whether you are to turn to the right or to the left. How how do you tell though? How how do you know if you're actually hearing that voice, the, the promptings of the Spirit, or we're just thinking our own thoughts that may or may not have their origin in the divine? Because I've heard people tell me things that they believed God had told them that I question whether that was the voice of God. I had somebody actually tell me that God told them to divorce their wife because they had found their true soulmate in their new girlfriend. Really? Are you sure God said that? I honestly get a little nervous when people say something so boldly, like, thus saith the Lord, or God spoke to me so clearly, told me so clearly, and yet what they hear doesn't seem to line up with the character and the heart of God or what I know to be true about him. And yet, even with those uh, missteps, I, I do believe that God still speaks to us. And there are a couple of checks and balances that I keep in mind when I'm trying to discern for myself. The, the first is, 
if what I'm sensing, if what I'm hearing in my heart of hearts, if what I'm feeling is a nudging runs contrary to what I know to be true about God, what I know through careful study of scripture and experience with the way that he uh, treats other people, well then I question whether or not that leading is from him. If the nudging leads only to my own blessing and benefit, it's not for the flourishing of others or to the glory of God, well then I question that nudging. God often moves me to surrender my comfort in order to serve others. And if what I'm sensing leads to the blessing of others, well, there's a good chance that the Spirit of God may be behind that. But if the voice leads me out of my comfort zone and and causes me to trust that God is bigger than my fear, I I feel more confident in, in leaning into that. There's a good chance the Spirit is stretching and using me to see his kingdom come and his will being done. But if it's just keeping me comfortable and making me do the things that I want to do, that I really like to do, I sometimes wonder if that's just my own selfish thoughts and not the prompting of the Spirit. Because if the prompting leads me to be more like Jesus, to help others experience his grace and love, if it leads people to see God more clearly and concretely, then, well, if it makes, if it makes much of Jesus and little of me, then there's a good chance that the Spirit's whispering, this is the way, walk in it. Now, there are some who might question the sanity of those who claim to hear voices, especially those who claim to hear the voice of God. But, but I see Jesus doing just that. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing or only what the Father asks of me. And he's inviting his followers into that same intimate connection with the Father. This is how you should pray, our Father. Do you have that connection? Is that the way you understand prayer and understand God? Could you? Should you? Should you find a way to make that sort of connection? What experience do you already have in listening to God? You, you probably have moments where you've, you've sensed something in your heart where you, you were to, to pray for somebody or to, or to give someone something or to, or to uh, reach out to somebody in some way. And, and you acted on that and you felt this sense of like, oh, I, I've done a good thing. I've done what is right and true. I wonder if that's the Spirit of God speaking to you and through you. If you're looking to cultivate this kind of prayer, where you not only just talk to God and give him your list of needs and wants, but you actually listen, can I give you some really practical advice? Do as Jesus did. Find some time every once in a while to retreat to a lonely place. In other words, step out of the regular hustle and bustle and find some time away from the noise. You don't need a desert or a mountain. It doesn't need to be a a full-on silent retreat, but you do need to find some solitude in your life. You need to find some space. And ideally, that's going to happen on a daily basis. But even if it happens periodically through your week, it's a good place to start. To find a place where you won't be bombarded with the demands for your attention that constantly come at you. So maybe it means going for a walk in a park. Or maybe it means finding a quiet room in your house. But give yourself a space and then some time. Buy it back. A couple of weeks ago, I heard my dear friend, Pastor Bong Samoyed, speak about, from Ephesians, about redeeming the time, buying it back, reclaiming our schedule schedule for things of divine significance instead of letting it be eaten up by the worries of this age, by not having our schedule so full of stuff that we, we forsake the, the solitude and the quiet of being able to spend time with our Heavenly Father. Take some time. We have done a terrible job of glamorizing and celebrating busyness in our culture. 
where, you know, you ask somebody, oh, how are you? Oh, so busy. And, and I'm so guilty of it myself. We're all so busy. And I think one of the things about finding a rhythm of life that is helpful and beneficial to not only our own flourishing, but to the flourishing of those around us is to slow down. Find a quiet place. Find some time. And do you have moments where everything in your life is kind of shut off? The phone gets put away and on a charger, the computer's off, the TV's off, there's not even music around? Do you have those moments? Could you have those moments? Should you have those moments? Maybe it means you get up 15 minutes earlier. Maybe it means you change up your lunch routine so that you can get away alone for a little bit. Because I, I believe the Spirit is constantly speaking to us, but it takes us some time to slow down and to step outside the other noise to hear his voice more clearly. The other piece of advice I would have for you is to just relax. I, I'm often guilty of rushing into times like this and, and waiting and wanting to hear something really specific and really quickly. We're not really good at waiting. So, so don't panic if you, you know, pause to listen to God and you don't hear anything in the first minute and a half. That being said, there's a chance that as soon as you slow down, you'll begin to sense that voice. As soon as you quiet, as soon as you settle yourself, as soon as you tune into that frequency, you'll take note of some thoughts that you have that maybe they're names or ideas that seem a little bit out of the ordinary, somebody you haven't thought of in a long time. Maybe it's a, something that is stirring in your own heart about some transformation that God wants to do in your life. If it feels a little different and out of the ordinary, lean into that. Ask questions. Try to distinguish. And how do we do that? How do we distinguish between voices that are just our own ideas and what might be the Spirit of God? Well, it takes time. It takes practice. But Jesus assured us that we would know his voice. In explaining how he leads as a good shepherd, uh, in contrast with those who would seek to do harm, he tells the Pharisees in John 10, he says, I very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus uses this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. So therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they have, may have life and life to the full. Twice in that passage, he mentions that the sheep will know his voice and they will only follow him. They'll, they'll run away from the stranger. They'll run away from the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But they will find safe pasture with the good shepherd because they know his voice. Again, I love the way the voice translates this passage. It says, I tell you the truth. The man who crawls through the fence of the sheep pen rather than walking through the gate is a thief or a vandal. The shepherd walks openly through the entrance. The guard who is posted to protect the sheep opens the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When all the sheep have been gathered, he walks on ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. The sheep would not be willing to follow a stranger. 
they run because they do not know the voice of the stranger. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who approach the sheep before me came as thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not listen to their voices. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be liberated, will go out and in, and will find good pasture. The thief approaches with malicious intent, looking to steal, slaughter, and destroy. I came to give life with joy and abundance. We know his voice. As his sheep, as he is the good shepherd, we recognize his voice. We know when those things seem to be right and true. We know in our heart of hearts when he is leading us in paths of righteousness, where it's going to lead us deeper into a relationship with him or to the flourishing of others around us. We don't follow the voice of a stranger. It says you will know his voice. So trust that. Trust that as you continue to seek, as you continue to knock, as you continue to spend time in, in tuning into that frequency, that you will know his voice. You'll hear the voice of God. And you'll know that it's not the stranger or the thief. We need to know that God has already revealed himself through scripture. And we can compare notes with what we already know about him. Like I mentioned before, I would question a voice that told me to divorce my wife because I had found my soulmate in someone else. Really? Does that sound, does that sound like, are you sure about, really? Are you sure about that? Or if God told me not to give money to a person because they'll just spend it on drug or booze. I don't know that God told me that. I think that decision might have been influenced by some other sources. How much of what we've decided makes us faithful Christians has been decided by other influences and not actually by the Spirit of God. I think there's a lot of things that we we do that we've been told by others that we're supposed to do. We haven't necessarily sought out for ourselves, what does it mean for me to be faithful in this moment and how might God use me in his kingdom? Again, if something leads only to my comfort and blessing and not into the flourishing of his kingdom or the glory of his name, I question whether it's his leading. As we settle into summer, and we th- I want to encourage you to think about taking some time to slow down. What might it look like for you to listen to God today? How might you find time to steal away and meet with your creator? Maybe you want to take some time to like go for a walk. Maybe you want to take some worship music with you to just drown out the noise of the stuff going on around you. Maybe you want to take your Bible or, or maybe you want to just take nothing and begin to ask God to speak to you, to lead you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, to listen for his voice. Can I encourage you to ask God to speak to you this week and then slow down enough to see if you can hear him. Experiment with different places to listen, different times of day, and and take notes of your experiences. Siri can help you with that. You can take notes on your phone. The key is once you've heard something, act on it. God speaks so that we might respond. So if he challenges something in your heart, maybe you need to repent. If he drops a name into your mind, maybe you need to reach out with a text or a phone call or or an email. His call always requires some sort of step from us, some sort of response on our behalf. Often in my life, it means changing an attitude or a behavior. Sometimes it means sending an email or meeting up with somebody. So if he speaks, it's to lead us further down the path. It's whispering in our ear, this is the right way, keep walking in it, in order that we'd be formed in the way of Jesus. It's one of the ways that we take up our cross and follow him, when we take time to listen to God. And when we do, the promise is that your ears will hear sweet words behind you. Go this way. There is your path. This is how you should go. Whenever you must decide whether to turn to the right or to the left, if we pause to first listen for God.
Let's pray. Oh God, we long to hear your voice and walk in your ways. As disciples of your son, as your children, we want to live in ways that please our Father and that help others see your goodness and grace. So would you help us to find those moments each and every day where we can slow down, where we can shut out the noise and where we can hear your spirit. Would you help our hearts to be tuned into the frequency of your still small voice that throughout our day we will hear sweet words behind us encouraging us to continue to walk in the way that you lead us. And would you lead us? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for this July long weekend. We hope that you'll join us through this whole sermon series where grace lives for the summer. We talked about listening to God today. Next week, we're going to talk about investing in others, what it means for us to be poured out as a drink offering, what it means for us to live our lives for the sake of others, that their flourishing is tied to our flourishing. We do pray that you have an amazing week, and until we see you again, may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God be reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God be reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all might see, and seeing, believe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to you.